Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Meanwhile, instead of going for it on fourth down and long, it's going to be a 59-yard field goal attempt for Eddie Pinheiro. Pinheiro's kick is no good. Started out with a draw, looked like it make it through. No. Al Michaels with the call. A surprising move at the end of the ball game last night. Instead of going for it on fourth and ten, Frank Reich, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, deciding, you know what? Let's send Eddie Pinheiro out there to try and kick a game-tying 59-yard field goal at Soldier Field. You almost knew as soon as Pinheiro jogged out to the field that that was not going to happen. But that is, I guess, the lack of confidence that Reich had in his quarterback making a play on 4th and 10 last night. And the Bears pick up their third win of the season, beating the Panthers 16-13. to Zach Saban with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The Score broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We're here until 9 o'clock. We'll talk baseball with Bruce Levine coming up, oh, in a little more than 20 minutes from now. A lot to talk about with Bruce The offseason in full swing for the Cubs, making moves we didn't expect and maybe more moves coming up in big-time fashion this offseason. Plus, what are the White Sox doing? So we'll discuss that with Bruce, and we'll figure out what's happening with the University of Michigan when it comes to their football team and their head coach. I'm not going to ask our next guest about this, but Adam Rittenberg, who covers college football as well as anybody in the country, will join us coming up Oh, at about 7.40 here on The Score. We talk Bears with Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic the entire 8 o'clock hour. He'll be taking your phone calls. Now it is my pleasure to introduce you to the Dean. We call him the Hublisher. He is the score's main football man, Hub Arkish. And he joins us now on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Hub, good evening. It's been way too long. How are you, my friend? You just stole the words I was thinking of. It's been way too long, Zach, but it's great to talk to you. And uh, I hope everything is going great by you. I know it is. I've been listening to you on the Cubs uh, for most of the season when it was fun. (laughs) (laughs) I I listen to that, too. Um, But uh, you you just you did a great job. had a great season. And it's great to to get to visit with you again. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, hey, the the Cubs are uh, 
looks like they're they're all in this offseason, which is exciting for any Cubs fan. But that's coming up with Bruce a little bit later on this hour. What I want to ask you about right off the top is I don't want to make too much about what we saw last night. So help put into perspective what that game meant and now where you go from that game for the final seven of the year. All right. Before I answer that question, and I'm going to in just a second, I would say you can ask me about Michigan. I, I'm not biased, <laughs> you know, according to what people think. Yeah, you know, I've been following this like everybody else. It's just inexcusable what what the Big Ten is doing. I mean, you know, to you know punish somebody before you have even started, let alone completed your investigation, is just ridiculous. And so, anyway. You know, and everybody's just who just because I'm a Michigan alum, I'm thinking that. But I would hope that any reasonable person would agree with that. You know, maybe they did something wrong, and maybe Harbaugh deserves even more. I don't know about that, but I do know that what they've done the day before their biggest game of the season is just ridiculous. What they're doing, and uh, you know, kind of a shame. But as far as last night, um, you know, it was a game that they really had to win. Uh, you know, of the various wins and losses this year. Had they lost that one, uh, it would have just, you know, driven, driven the entire city crazy. And, uh, you know, they're a better team than the Panthers right now. They, they deserve to win. They should have won. Uh, you know, the fact that it was an ugly game and not much fun to watch, I'm sure it was frustrating to everybody. But at the end of the day, with what they're dealing with, with all the injuries and, and you know, the Division two quarterback and all that, they played it smart and, and they did what they had to. They won the football game. I wouldn't make too much more of it than that. All right, so if Justin Fields is able to come back from the thumb injury following this mini-buy and play next week in Detroit, seven games to go in the regular season, and there's a lot on the line for him, in my opinion, Hub. I think, number one, he's got to show the ability to stay on the field, which has been an issue in his three years as an NFL quarterback. And once he's able to, to prove that, you need to see enough out of him in the next seven games where... If you're the the ultimate decision maker of football at Hallis Hall, and I don't know if that's – I'm assuming that's Kevin Warren now as the president. You need to know who your quarterback is going to be. And once you know that, then you can start creating an infrastructure around that quarterback to give him the best chance to succeed. Is, Is that the best way to put it? Well, I think it is, you know, but as far as Kevin Warren, he's in charge. There's no question about that. But if he's not allowing Ryan Poles to make these decisions, then he's already made his first major mistake. And, and I'm not saying because Ryan is good or bad, but that's his job. He's the general manager. He's the guy who is supposed to get you your players, especially get you your quarterback. And, you know, Kevin Warren is a highly accomplished individual and, and I think was a great hire by the Bears, but not to, to set the roster, not to pick players. And so he should be telling Ryan Poles, you know, tell me what you think, tell me what you see, tell me what you like, but it's your call, buddy, as long as it's your job. And I, and I hope it stays his job at least another year because it's way too soon to, you know, form any conclusions about him or Matt Eber Flus, in spite of the fact that I know there's a lot of people out there who can't wait to get rid of Flus, and I think that's terribly unfair. Um, but, uh, you know, right now, uh, you know, your point is well taken. The next seven games are going to decide whether Fields has a chance to be the Bears franchise quarterback or not. And, and it can't just be good enough. You know, he's got to be better than he has been to this point in order to earn that commitment because they're not likely to end up in, in a situation again in the next couple of years where in what some are calling the best quarterback draft of all time, they can have pretty much anything they want with those two first-round picks they've got to work with. Talking Bears, talking football with Hub Arkish here on The Score. All right, so in tangible terms, what do you need to see from Justin Fields? And the other aspect of this, there's a lot of 
lot of fact and fiction when it comes to the way the public, the fan base, looks at the Bears. So I want to hit that with you. Is well, you know, are there I'm enough sorry, we- are there enough weapons hub on this team for Fields to be successful offensively? Not yet. No, there aren't. And, and and that's one of the reasons that you have to continue to hope that he improves and develops. There, I, I was, by the way, driving home last night listening to you guys, really enjoyed it. And, and I, I knew Owen and I had been in touch a little bit, and I knew Owen and I were on the same page, and I now know you and I are too. Um, I, I really hope that Justin Fields becomes the Bears franchise quarterback because I'm really impressed by the young man in a lot of ways as a person, as an individual, as a leader, uh, as having the smarts and all that. Um, the problem is that he has two issues that are pretty much disqualifiers for franchise quarterbacks. One is that he is not reading the field. He, he doesn't see the game the way a quality NFL quarterback does. He doesn't make decisions fast enough and he doesn't make the right decisions. And number two his accuracy, his, his athletic talent is great, but his accuracy is not. It's 50-50 at best, and I'm not sure it's that good. Those are two things that pretty much disqualify a franchise quarterback, you know, and they are two things that are the most unlikely to be taught. They can improve the accuracy somewhat, but it doesn't usually change that much once you get to the NFL. And, and the, the reading the game and the, the seeing the game and the feeling it, that's not something that has been improved often, and, and, and I'm not sure it will be here. So I'm not overly confident that he's going to be the answer, but I am very strong that he has to be given a fair shot in these next seven games. You look at those last two games, and the numbers were otherworldly compared to the first uh, you know, 25 starts or whatever it may be. So if that was where he turned the corner and maybe now it's coming, that's what you have to hope for. Um, but you can't have more of this you know, one game in, one game out, and, and, and making the same mistakes. And, and it, the, the biggest problem I have is the way he sees the field or doesn't see the field. And, and I'm not sure what's going to happen or what could have happened from this in the last four games that is going to improve that in the next seven weeks. So, Hub, the other thing that we often hear is that, well, it's Luke Getze's fault because he's not calling plays that help put Justin Fields in the best position to succeed. But you just talked about two big limitations, and, and I think that impacts the way you call a game when you don't trust your quarterback in certain situations or he might not trust what's being called because there are things that, that he just has issues with on the field. There's no question about it. You know, you can't help it if you're the coach and you're calling plays. You're not going to call something that you know the kid can't produce, you know, and, and so it's going to impact some of the stuff you call. But that's another thing that, that I've been so frustrated with in recent weeks and all these alleged experts who want Luke Getzey fired. It's all Luke Getzey's fault. And it's his play calling. None of these people criticizing the play calling have ever called an NFL play themselves. Luke Getzey's job is not to find what Justin Fields does best and make that his offense. Luke Getzey's job is to build a, a Super Bowl contending offense for the Chicago Bears. And you can't do that with just a running quarterback. You can't do that by just saying, well, this is, this is what Fields can do, so these are the things we should do. No, he has to develop the offense that is going to take the Bears to the next level, regardless of whether it's Fields at quarterback or somebody else. And he has to do everything he can to get Fields to produce in the way that his offense is supposed to work, not change the way he runs his offense because of Justin Fields. And when I hear people say that, it just drives me nuts. You know, because it's just that's not the way you build a winning team in the NFL, particularly at the quarterback position. So I don't think Luke Getzey has done a bad job. I don't think he's done a great job. Same thing I'll say about Matt Eberflus. 
but you're in the first full year of a complete rebuild. It takes at least two, usually three seasons. And there are people already wanting to form final judgments on the coach and the GM when you can't, not yet. You know, Ryan Poles has made a couple of mistakes. He's also done some really good things, I think. You know, Flus makes some play calls that I don't understand. I don't agree with a lot. But look at how much the defense has improved since he took it over. You know, and there's a lot of things that he can do as a coach and that Poles can do as a GM. And Bears fans just have to find some patience, understand that this process is going to take the rest of this year and probably at least the first half, if not all, next year. And, and what you should be looking at is are the young players and new free agent acquisitions adjusting? Are they getting better each week? And the fact is, over the last four or five weeks, a lot of them have, you know, and, and that's what you're looking for. Is it good enough? No. I, I'm not saying anybody should be happy with where the Bears are at right now. It is very frustrating. But as far as the way they're approaching this rebuild, I think they're doing everything the right way so far and just have to be, find a way to be patient and try and continue to do more of it. Up, you have uh, a unique understanding of the way ownership thinks at Hallis Hall. You also have uh, a unique uh, advantage in terms of understanding just the history of uh, coaches with this team, the way they relate to the fan base and vice versa. I I think a lot of of what's happened with Matt Eberflus is when you're not able to properly communicate the way you think and you sound clumsy uh, each day at the podium when you speak, I think that impacts the way fans think about you. And then there's the stuff that we really still don't have answers to, but you've had some comportment issues with two assistants who are no longer here. Ultimately, is that not on the head coach? Um, he takes so he has to take responsibility for it. Is it his fault? Those are two different things. Um, you know, when you look at what happened with these two coaches, uh, as near as I can tell from my sources, it had little to do with coaching, and that's what he was looking at when he was trying to hire the best coaches he could. Now, certainly, you know, he should have checked, you know, their their personal backgrounds and made sure that he was hiring, you know, quality people. And it turns out that these two, according to what I've learned about what actually happened. They're not high quality guys. I mean, you know, they did things that 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 should never happen, particularly in the facility. Uh, you, you know, and 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 what caused one to quit and one to be fired. So I think he has to take responsibility for it. But you can't just make the assumption that it's his fault that he should have known, because you know, not everybody knows everything about everybody when they hire them, and there are you know hires that don't work out. I don't see those two issues as being that fatal in regards to the success of the rebuild. Uh, it doesn't look good. It looks bad for Flus. I understand that. I understand why people you know, want him to be responsible for it. He should be, but it doesn't make him a bad coach. I, I go back to what I said a couple minutes ago. It's just too soon. You, you know, We just have to look at everything that's happening right now. And as for the football side, which is what he's responsible for, is he doing the right things? And I think he is. Uh, he's focused on developing these players. And that's what he should be judged on at the end of the season, not by the fact that a couple of his coaches, you know, did some unfortunate things and needed to be replaced. Good stuff, Hub. Thank you so much. Great chatting again. All right, buddy. Take care and be well, and I hope to talk again soon. Best of health. Hub Arkish spending some time breaking down the Bears with us. When we come back, we'll switch gears. Cubs have had a busy offseason, and it just started. Bruce Levine breaks it all down with us next. Zach Saveman with you until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You know, I think that he's consistently, year after year after year, um, they've you know, outperformed expectations, which is really impressive. And <clears throat> and listen, it's not a one-man show up there. You know, they've had um, two really capable people running baseball operations up there. They've done a really good job in Milwaukee. They're like a very worthy rival, you know, and, and all the things they, that they've done. So I, I think this, like making this, like Craig Council was the whole reason. Now, of course not, but I do think, you know, consistently – They've outperformed expectations, and um, that, that's borne out both with your eyes and when you look at the data. Cubs president, Jed Hoyer, giving the entire explanation of why he made probably the most shocking move of the baseball offseason, firing David Ross and hiring free agent manager, the former Brewer, Craig Council to lead the Cubs going forward. Hi, everyone. Zach Zabin with you until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score coming up oh, in about 20 minutes from now. We will talk about the latest with the Michigan football team. The Big Ten Conference has banned Jim Harbaugh from coaching Michigan's three remaining regular season games. So we'll get to that coming up oh, in a little bit more than 20 minutes from right now. But we need to talk baseball. It has been such a crazy week for both the Cubs and the White Sox. And who better to break it down than Bruce Levine, who joins us now on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Bruce, of course, is the Score Baseball Insider. So, Bruce, have you been able to process everything that's happened with the Cubs just this week? No, I haven't, Zach. <laughs> and I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure I'm processing it better than David Ross. Let's put it that way. Uh, he doesn't know what hit him. You talk about blindside. He was blindsided by this because normally 
when a manager loses his job, his bosses think that he uh, wasn't very good at it or that, uh, you know, he had failed in a certain area. I don't know. And Zach, look, I, I'm a big believer in Craig Council. I think he's going to do a terrific job with the Cubs. I understand the hiring because when you feel you can get the very best out there, that's what you do. But I don't believe Craig Council could have done uh, any better with the team that he, that the Cubs had this year than David Ross did. Now, did he have to use his bullpen so much in uh, the last couple of weeks of August and the first week of September that there was nothing left? And those arms were hanging and some of them injured. Yes, he did. He had to he had to sprint before the race was finishing, and in this case, Zach. It cost them the last three weeks of the season. They were not the team that they were uh, the rest of the time from the 1st of July on. So if you want to find fault in that, okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't think even Craig Council, Casey Stengel, John McGraw at their peaks could have done better than 82 wins. Now, all that said, uh, hiring Craig Council is a coup for the Chicago Cubs because he is considered the best manager in baseball. Why? There's two guys. There's two guys. I should let you ask a question here or there, shouldn't I? <laughs> no, no, There's I, two I, guys. But I hear that a lot, and I think I, I know the answer. But right. But there is, There's, you hear that, people just toss it around. You're able to put it into a, a tangible way for us to understand. Why is he considered uh, that, that highly by everyone around baseball? There's two guys that are superior to the other 28 in one area. And that is handling a pitching staff. Bruce Bochy just won a World Series with the Texas Rangers. Craig Council hopefully will win one with the Chicago Cubs in the next two or three years. Hopefully in that period of time. But to me, the way they handle bullpens, the way they handle starting pitching, uh, the way they have a knack for it is above and beyond. And that is why he's being hired to replace David Ross. David Ross... Uh, did nothing wrong other than not to be Craig Council. That's a good way of putting it. Bruce Levine is with us here on The Score. How has this impacted the players? Well, I've, I've texted around, and uh, they're, they're all still in a lot of shock. I mean, they, they understand that Council is a, uh, is a great manager, and the ones that uh, have seen him manage and know the players on those teams know that Council is – Every bit is good and maybe even better, we'll find out, in handling clubhouses and letting people do their job uh, the way that David Ross did. I think David Ross was superior in communication. I think he had a strong grip on them. Uh, every, every major league team, Zach, uh, no matter how great a manager you are, whether you were Joe Madden at his peak in 2016, whether you are a counsel, getting his teams in five out of six years to the playoffs when sometimes the uh, talent wasn't as good, which out with without question. Uh, and David Ross, they all have one thing in, in common. There's probably about 17 to 20 guys that really like you and communicate with you well. And then there's five guys on the team that really don't, okay, for many different reasons. doesn't have necessarily to do with you yourself or how you handle people. It's just that they are not getting enough playing time. They're uh, pitching too often. They are not pitching often enough. Whatever it is, you know, there's not, there's never a 26 
happy guys on a team. If you can get 17 to 20 and uh, you, you have coaches that can deal with the rest, you have a chance to have a great clubhouse and, uh, and from that perspective, be able to compete for the whole year. All right. Before we get to the player acquisition portion of the offseason for the Cubs and the White Sox, you posted something on X, some people call it Twitter, earlier today. Quote, you can scratch this question off of Craig Council's list for his press conference. Council and former Cub manager David Ross have already had a long conversation. What can you share with us? Well, I just know that, you know, this came up significantly uh, and it did quickly for Joe Madden when he replaced Rick Renteria back in 2014, this, this sitting manager of the Chicago Cubs at that time. If you remember, Jed Hoyer had to go to Rick Renteria's house and let him know that he had to stand down, that they were talking to Joe Madden. And very quickly, Joe Madden accepted that job. And Joe had said at the time, you know, one thing that he was never really able to follow through on, and he was a man of his word for most of the time, but in this case, it never happened. Joe said, you know what, I have to, one of the first things I have to do is talk to Rick Renteria because he didn't do anything wrong to, to, get, uh, to lose this job. In this case, uh, counsel was proactive, knew his, knew his position, understood uh, the pain for Ross and the, the, the way they competed it, uh, against each other as when Ross was a player and then now as a manager. And uh, he called and he talked to him for what, I'm, what I understand was 45 minutes, just you know, commiserating with him and trying to make him understand that uh, there are other jobs out there and that he will have them. And he wasn't pleased about the fact that this was, uh, he was replacing him, but you know, for eight years, for five five years and $40 million, um, you know, he wasn't going to turn that job down. Talking baseball with Bruce Levine here on The Score. All right, from a player acquisition standpoint, this offseason, what does the council hiring mean for what Jed Hoyer is going to do to try to build up this team this offseason? Well, first of all, uh, Zach, it means that he has a, a, a real hammer in who his coaches are going to be. He's also got a hammer in say-so as to uh, a seat at the table when uh, Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins sit down and talk about acquisitions and when they talk to Tom Ricketts about uh, the money that's going to be spent. Um, I should include Crane Kenny in that from the business office as well. So with, with that in mind, this is the strongest position a manager can have in baseball. First year of a multi-year contract. In this case, the largest contract in the history of baseball for a manager. So he will have a lot to say about everything. He won't have final say-so on what players they bring in, but he will give a lot of indication, and he will be trusted to give his opinion of who, he, who they should uh, look at as far as trades and free agents in this offseason. Bruce, who's realistic for the Cubs this offseason in terms of targets and what you ultimately think will end up happening? Well, those are two different things. And, you know, maybe we'll put in the uh, the wish list of Cub fans they can hope. And that is Shohei Otani is certainly somebody on the Chicago Cubs radar. They are not shy about that. They're not going out there and gloating about um being in the hunt for him, but it is not a great secret 
that the Chicago Cubs will be talking to Nezbolello, who is the agent for Shohei Otani, and they will have conversations about him coming to the Cubs. As to where, whether they have the wherewithal or the means or the uh, money to uh, put up that Bolello and uh, the um, Otani will want, we don't know that. But they're not going to shy away from talking about it. They will go after Cody Bellinger again and try to bring him back to the team. They will go after bullpen pieces and try to bring that in. They will go after a first baseman and try to find that. Uh, there are there are definite pieces out there that fit for the Cubs. They're just getting going right now. But I think, you know, finding out about Otani and whether or not this takes a month till the winter meetings that begin December 3rd in Nashville or not, I think the Cubs will be in on this. And uh, should Cub fans get excited that he's going to be here? I don't have any intel on that. I, you know, the the smart money is still on the Dodgers, on the West Coast. You know, the theory always is that Japanese players are four hours, four and a half, five hours closer to Japan from the West Coast. That's significant not only for them, but more for their families and the people that want to come and uh, visit them. So uh, that that's always a, a, a situation that you have to look at. But I don't think the Cubs uh, have anything to hide from. If you'll remember, Zach, back in 2016, when he was a free agent for the first time in the United States and posted, the Cubs were right there. They had long conversations with him uh, to try to come here and uh, play for the Cubs. He decided it was going to be the Angels, but uh, they have a history with him, and that's a good point to uh, step off from. And I know that uh, over the, the years, you Darvish has given the Cubs glowing recommendations from his time here. I think that's one of the reasons that Seiya Suzuki ended up signing on the dotted line with the Cubs, and there have been other players who have spoken highly about the, just the, the Cubs' culture and the way they treat people, um, and I think that may help, but ultimately... Uh, I, I think geography may play a, a, a bigger role in all of this before all is said and done. All right, we've talked a lot about the Cubs. White Sox, what's the plan? What should a White Sox fan expect this offseason? A lot of changes, uh, new players, trades, uh, some stealth free agents. I think they need to change the uh, the nature of the clubhouse for uh, Pedro Gafal, the manager. They need to change the on-field First and foremost, okay, pitching, pitching, and more pitching. Trades, trades, and more trades. Will Eli Jimenez be a Chicago White Sox player after the winter meetings or in the early winter before spring training starts? That's going to be the question. Uh, my, my bet will be no. I think that they will use some of their inventory in the case of uh, Eloy, a slugger who can hit 40 home runs and drive in 100. I think that uh, he will be the bait for some some pitching for the Chicago White Sox. The quickest way, Zach, for a rebuild is through the rotation. White Sox do not have a lot of pitching right now. They traded five of their main pitchers at the trading deadline last year, and uh, there's there's a lot of room there for them to uh, make trades and sign some free agents. But changing the culture and uh, maybe taking a step backwards for one year to be able to step forward with some new uh, New players on this team and a, a new clubhouse, 
I think that's the goal of the Chicago White Sox. You're going to be busy tomorrow morning on the score uh, for people who want to know more about all this baseball stuff that you've been teasing us with uh, so far over the last few minutes. Uh, what's in store tomorrow morning here on the score? Well, we're going to talk to Barry Meister, the agent for Craig Council, get a little preview of Monday. As you know, the score will be live from uh, Wrigley Field with a press conference from 10 until 12, uh, from 10 until 2 uh, with our midday show. And uh, we will talk to Barry a little bit, get a little bit better idea about Craig Council and his thoughts before he became a Chicago, the Chicago Cubs manager. We're also celebrating our 10th anniversary of Inside the Clubhouse. We'll talk to some of the former hosts of the show. Mike Esposito and I will talk to Matt Spiegel. Uh, we will talk to Wayne Randazzo, the voice of the Los Angeles Angels, who might give us a little insight on Shohei Otani and what it was like to be around him the last couple of years. So uh, a lot of open lines for both Cubs and Sox fans at uh, our usual number. So looking forward to... Uh, to celebrating our 10th anniversary of Inside the Clubhouse and also uh, having a lot of news from this week and, uh, and beyond. Ten years in Major League Baseball is a big deal. Ten years talking Major League Baseball with Inside the Clubhouse on the score. Congratulations, my friends. So we'll be listening tomorrow morning. Bruce Levine, the score baseball insider, filling us in on the latest with the Cubs and the White Sox. Let's take a quick timeout here. When we come back, everything you want to know about the biggest story in college football. Now, late this afternoon, the Big Ten Conference banned Jim Harbaugh from coaching at Michigan's three remaining regular season games. But, you know, as a famous college football insider says, not so fast. We'll discuss next. Zach Saidman with you until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The School. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Nobody's, uh, you know, wants criticism or, you know, and that's why I work so hard to do everything right, you know, both on and off the field, because it's been, been that way for a long time, you know, since, since I was 22 years old. Uh, but if it's, if the criticism is directed me and not on my adolescent kids at home or the players on the football team, then I'm okay with it. That was Jim Harbaugh earlier this week in regards to the sign-stealing scheme with Michigan. And the Big Ten late this afternoon 
suspending Jim Harbaugh from coaching his football team's final three regular season games. Does it end there? Is it an appeal? There's so much to discuss here. Zach Zaidman with you until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. So I figured we get this guy on because there are few people who have better insight and can help explain the complexity of all of this than Adam Rittenberg, who covers college football for ESPN. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. The stage is yours. What's going on with Jim Harbaugh? Well, Zach, for now, he, he has been suspended by the Big Ten. Um, you know, a penalty that's really a institutional penalty, and yet um, Jim Harbaugh is the one that is, uh, is paying the price, at least for now. Now they've filed a uh, temporary restraining order um, with a judge in, uh, in Michigan, and uh, it's, it's James J. Harbaugh against the Big Ten Conference. Wow. And we'll see if um, if that's granted. If it's granted, at least for for uh, for a brief period of time, Harbaugh will be able to continue his duties, including at tomorrow's game uh, against Penn State. And this is always the likely outcome if the Big Ten indeed suspended him, and they have. And uh, and we'll see where it goes from here. There's a top ten showdown tomorrow for Michigan. Is there a timeline for when we will get word? the courts as to whether or not Harbaugh is going to get a chance to coach? It's a great question. I mean, you know, it could be later on tonight. It could be in the morning. You know, this is obviously a federal holiday, so a lot of the courts are closed. Um, There's not a lot of judges, um, but they did find someone. And and then, you know, again, how how quickly that person renders a ruling is it's hard. It's hard to estimate that. Um, I was told earlier this week in talking to a few legal experts that it typically it's hard to get a temporary restraining order, um, especially on, on relatively short notice. And, you know, as, as you saw with some of the documents that were released, I mean, there, there, there's a lot to go through for this judge. Um, you have to go through Michigan's response. They have to go through the Big Ten bylaws. Uh, they have to go through the Big Ten's uh, response today. So it's not an easy uh, task here on, on relatively short notice. With um, you know Harbaugh, his duties are to be on the sideline at noon tomorrow against Penn State here in Pennsylvania. So uh, it, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how quickly um, a ruling, one way or another, comes down. Adam Rittenberg covers college football for ESPN. The big news: the Big Ten suspending Jim Harbaugh from coaching in Michigan's final three regular season games, including the top ten showdown at Penn State tomorrow. Now, it was a thirteen-page letter that was sent. To Michigan by the Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti. Can you help sum up the key points in that 13-page letter? Right, so there's a lot there, and I think what's, what's interesting on a number of levels, Zach, is that um, they really did lay out uh, the communication that they had with the NCAA and even pointed out how you know, unique it is for the NCAA to um, communicate and be involved in an ongoing investigation, and they did that to really underscore how serious the situation is from the NCAA president, Charlie Baker, on down. You know, they went through almost a timeline of calls that Charlie Baker initiated and participated in where information was shared and essentially laid out that there is no doubt in the minds of the Big Ten and the NCAA, even though the NCAA is still doing its investigation, there's no doubt in their mind that this, that this operation happened, the science-stealing that was initiated by, you know, Connor Stallions, the former staff member. So, you know, they basically said the only thing that's left for the NCAA to do, and obviously this could take some time, is to find out the extent of who else knew. 
Right now, there's no evidence that Jim Harbaugh knew or directed it, but it doesn't matter. It happened. And that's the point the Big Ten was trying to get across in that document, that no matter what Michigan says and Harbaugh didn't know and you don't have the authority, like this happened. And this is something that the NCAA is taking very seriously. Um, they've even got U.S. Integrity involved, which obviously is um, a group that deals with, uh, with, with you know, sports wagering and making sure that that's all above board. So there's a lot of layers to this, Zach, that um, show how, how it's not your typical case. And in the Big Ten's mind, because it wasn't a typical case, and they, they, they underscored phrases like this season, this impacted this season. So we felt compelled to act right now to protect the integrity of what happened this season. So for, for people who are listening, and, and we know that everyone's always trying to cheat and get an edge when it comes to opposing signs in, in any kind of football, whether it's college or, or the NFL, why was this considered so egregious for people who haven't been following it on a regular basis like you? Right. So your know, sign stealing happens in games. Everybody has staff members who are assigned to try to decode the other team's signals. Why this was different was that it was a, you know, a very involved operation to, signal, to, to obtain the signals of all of Michigan's future opponents by directing people to go to those games to film the sidelines, and to um, make sure that that information got into the hands of at least one person in the Michigan football building. And then that was transmitted in some form or fashion to the coaches to apply during games. So essentially, Michigan, because of, of how involved this was, was able to go into games knowing its opponent's signals. And, you know, there's examples uh, that the Big Ten and, and others feel are, are clear that they knew what was coming and were able to prepare for it. So that is something that they believe compromises the integrity of that, of that game, that it's not fair. It's not a fair playing field to the other team. So there's a, a clear difference if you talk to coaches between in-game sign stealing and off-campus scouting, stealing signs that you, that you then have to prepare with for the game. Okay, you said that this only applies for the remainder of the regular season via the Big Ten. Does it end there, or are we looking at some more significant things in the future regarding the NCAA's opinion on this, and what's Jim Harbaugh's future right now? Well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to be another another layer of this. And I think, again, pointing to the document that was released today, the details in there about how far the NCAA has has uh, has taken this on their end you know, indicate that it's just a matter of completing the investigation and then going through the infractions process. Now, you've been around college basketball and college football. You know how long that takes. Right. But that, that, that is going to happen. And Michigan will be punished from the NCAA. I'm, I'm confident of that. And the other thing to keep in mind is that there's still an ongoing investigation regarding the recruiting violations that, that Michigan is alleged to have committed during uh, COVID-19. Jim Harbaugh and Michigan already self-imposed punishment, including a three-game suspension for Harbaugh at the beginning of the into effect, Zach, Harbaugh will have been off the sideline his team's regular season games. Imagine that, and they'll have a chance to win a national championship. Absolutely overcoming. There's no way the NCAA, given how they do investigations, and infractions Jim Harbaugh end of the 20 season. They may not be able to do it in the 24 season. It's just a very slow process 
But you can see there's urgency as much as possible here because of the involvement of the president, Charlie Baker. All right. Your phone's been cutting out. We hope that that it remains intact for for this next question, because, you know, there's a lot of outside pressure on the NCAA and and the Big Ten and the, the college from the college football world to have something something resolved before the the college football playoff or other bowl games. Is there any chance that there's a resolution to this before that important portion of the uh, the college football season? I don't think so, just because of Michigan's position uh, that they've taken even before today's ruling, which is we're going to fight this. We don't believe this is right. We believe that this is not due process, and we believe in letting the NCAA process play out. So the only way that it gets resolved completely is if the NCAA were to fast-track its investigation, go through a very quick infractions process. I just don't think it's realistic, Zach, yeah. knowing yeah. how their timelines are. And it's not realistic for – the other thing that could obviously happen is a self-imposed penalty, but that only happens when you somewhat agree with the situation. And clearly, clear, Michigan does not agree with doing anything right now that would impair its program or its head coach. You talk to a lot of people around college football, the rest of the Big Ten. I'm talking about the, the other coaches, the other administrations. What's their reaction to what happened today? Yeah, I sent out a couple of texts to administrators and coaches as I was traveling here to Pennsylvania. You know, his three games enough. And one coach sent back a shrug emoji. Uh, one athletic director said, no, it's not. And I said, would, 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 any, would anything ever satisfy the coaches? And the, the guy kind of laughed. I mean, you know, they, they certainly wanted some punishment that would hurt Michigan. Um, but it's certainly different when the actual punishment comes down, especially the way it did right before a huge game. So um, it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is. I don't think a lot of coaches are going to address this. But um, it's, it's a huge story uh, and certainly impacting a big game tomorrow here in Pennsylvania. Is there anything that we've missed, things that we're not talking about that you're keeping your eye on regarding this story? Well, I think it's interesting that you know, so far no evidence has emerged um, of, of, that Jim Harbaugh had knowledge or directed, the, directed any of the scouting. Now, will there be evidence that's, that emerges uh, that implicates other assistant coaches, other staff members? I think that's something that um, is certainly going to be followed here. But it's also just so unique that the, the Big Ten, in relatively short order, Zach, I mean, they were only notified about this investigation on October 18th, and they know that it happened. They are definitive, and their lawyers are definitive that this happened. They, they're not leaving any, any room for, well, maybe, maybe it didn't. Maybe we're all, this is just a big misunderstanding. They are positive that this is an elaborate, uh, multi-year Systemic was the word that was used, one of the words that was used in the document today to describe this. And so, you know, that, that's why they're going forward the way they have. And there's certainly other elements of this um, story. You know, how did this get out? Was it an inside leak? Was it Ohio State or somebody else that was, you know, lo- looking into Michigan? I mean, that, that's another layer that, that I'm sure is, is going to be looked at if it ever does come out. Because how did the NCAA learn about this? That's, that's still a big question. Man, so much to uncover over the next few days, weeks, months, and maybe years ahead. Adam Rittenberg, thank you so much for joining us on Short Notice and and, and helping us uh, get a better understanding of everything that transpired today. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having me, Zach. Adam Rittenberg, who covers college football for ESPN. If you're just tuning in, the Big Ten Conference has banned Jim Harbaugh from coaching Michigan's three remaining regular season games That happened less than 24 hours before 
the second-ranked Wolverines are scheduled to take the field at number 9 Penn State. Michigan's 9-0, and a chance to win a third straight Big Ten title, and the Wolverines looking to win their first national championship since 1997. And now we wait to see if uh, the court will allow Harbaugh to get back on the field for that game tomorrow at Happy Valley. Let's take a break. We thank Adam Rittenberg for joining us. Coming up next, all Bears, the entire 8 o'clock hour. It's not going to be me talking a lot about the Bears. We're going to be joined by one of the best beat reporters in Chicago when it comes to covering the Chicago Bears football club. Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic will join us. He'll be taking your phone calls the entire 8 o'clock hour. All you talking Bears with Fishbane next. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Zach Zaidman with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.